Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me today, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing great. Oh, so good to see you. Always you make every room brighter, Jamie. I wish <laughs> that people listening to us could just see you and see your smile. Because Thank when you. you smile, I mean, there's just light everywhere. That's the Lord's gift to you. Thanks for coming alongside. Thanks for having me. I don't know about you, Jamie, but sometimes I think there's things I deserve that I don't have. You know, it's not fair that somebody else has has all that, and I don't have that. I or, can relate to that. Can you, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, I've worked hard. I've played by the rules. Oh, why, yes. Why, why, why yes. can't I have that? Uh, why does that other guy get the breaks and I don't? Or why is the person up front that I've been so faithful supporting all this time get all the attention and nobody even noticed me? I mean, there's all, there's, that's just a part of life, isn't it? Yes. And then every now and then when you kind of get into that state of mind, it's almost kind of a victimization. You have an opportunity, and maybe if you just... Fudge the truth a little bit. If I if I just manipulate the words a little bit, maybe I could get a piece of that pie that's rightfully mine anyway. And honestly, what difference would that make? I deserved it anyway. Mm-hmm. So if I can just get there by well, fudging on the truth a little bit, it can't be all that bad. Actually, I think there's a lot of life like that in this world. I think so too. And we live in a world where the truth is thought not to matter so much anymore. Ends justify means. As long as people agree with my outcome, I can just twist my words or the facts in any way necessary to get to the outcome that I believe is going to be for everyone's best anyway. So it can't be that bad, can it? Mm. I actually deserve to have that attention or acclaim, so it can't be that bad, can it? We just live in a world where fact and fiction and truth and lies, I mean, they're all mixed up, and some people don't think it even matters anymore. But we're doing a series here on Viewpoint in these few weeks that is talking about why truth actually is the foundation of everything and how highly prized it is by heaven above. Jamie, have you ever uh, heard of leprosy? Yes, I have heard of it. When I say leprosy, what comes to your mind? When I think of leprosy, I think of some images I saw on Google images of people with, um, you know, their skin is discolored. And Mm -hmm. I think of, you know, just being in a position where you're isolated and Mm -hmm. maybe looked down upon. Yes, it, it can separate you out. And, and leprosy in modern times is the name of a disease that's a kind of nerve disorder, and uh, it can cause all kinds of disfiguration. Sometimes disfiguration not because the nerve disorder itself causes the skin to be disfigured, but because the nerves may die and you may not feel in your extremities, let's say. And then what can happen, especially if you live in a culture that is uh, exposed to a lot of open fire, let's say you live in India, this is where I've seen it up close and personal, People live in villages where there's no electric stove. They have an open fire, and they may not realize that their hand is too close to the fire because the leprosy has deadened the nerves. And so then they suffer injury, and their hand becomes disfigured because they weren't able to pull away. I mean, there are all kinds of dimensions to it, but leprosy today is a name. It's a medical name for this disease that horribly disfigures, and people are afraid of it. And so that's where you get the ostracization where, well, if somebody in the village gets that, we don't want them close by because we might catch it too, and it's so obvious that you can see it at every glance. It's not hidden, so it causes people to be separated out. It's a terrible, terrible disease. In the ancient world, that word leprosy describes a disease too, and nobody's really sure if it's the same thing we call leprosy today. But what is clear, it had the same outcomes. In other words, people could see it, and 
and be afraid of it, and people were pushed out. Which brings us to a story in the Old Testament today about Naaman. Do you know that guy? Oh, yeah. What, what do you know about him? <laughs> so Naaman was a powerful um, man who um, contracted leprosy and was healed. He went to the prophet Elijah and received healing. And he was from Syria, and Elijah was in Israel. So that shows how desperate he was, because in that day, Syria was the big, powerful country, and Israel wasn't. And for this powerful Syrian to go seek out a man in Israel for a remedy uh, was a humbling experience for Naaman. And then in the story, the record of Scripture, Naaman is healed when Elijah tells him to go dip himself in the muddy water of the Jordan River. And of course, Naaman came there thinking, well, if this guy can help me, there's going to be some kind of big ointment or some kind of remedy that seems like appropriate. And instead, he tells me to go dip in the muddy water of this two-bit river. (laughs) Are you kidding me? But Naaman is persuaded that he doesn't have any other option. So he does that, and the leprosy is cured. I mean, it's a He's, it's a miracle, and he sees the power of God, and his whole life has changed because now he realizes that Elijah represents a God who really has the capacity to intervene in human life supernaturally. It's so awesome. It's a great tale. And Naaman naturally says to Elijah, I owe you everything, guy. I mean, you, you have caused me to be healed. So w- what have I got? I've got some gold coins here. I've got my American Express card. I've, I can do whatever. <laughs> you name it, you got it. And Elijah says, no, no, no. I'm not here for your money. I don't need your prizes or your presence. You just know there is a God in Israel, and it's good. Worship him. And that's kind of the way it goes. But Elijah has a servant, somebody who's the right arm, who is the gopher, you might say, but the valet, the, the assistant. He gets everything done for Elijah. He's critical piece of the ministry. His name is Gehazi. And he watches all of this come down, and he's watching Naaman right away, and that's what brings us to our story. Second Kings chapter 5. Jamie, I know you have it right there. What does it say? Starting in verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. And Gehazi set off after Naaman. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Naaman asked. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went to his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. Ouch. When he left the room, the leprosy was already there. Terrifying. This story has a lot of lessons to tell. I think it's real history, 
and it speaks yet today about the power of truth and the danger of a lie. Stay with us. Wish it could be easy. Why is life so messy? Why is pain a part of us? There are days I feel like nothing ever goes right. Sometimes it just hurts so much. But you're here. You're real. I know I can trust you. about a story today, ancient history, that actually can come alive for you in unique ways when you visit the Holy Land. And I'm here to tell you that Christians Broadcasting Hope every now and then takes a group to what we call the Holy Land, and we walk through the modern nation states of Israel and Jordan. We'll go right up to the border with Syria, and these place names and these locales, the stage upon which the most important history of the world has ever unfolded, is all front and center. Jamie, you've been with us on that trip. Yes, Wouldn't you I say have. it's like a life-altering experience? It is. It's like seeing the Bible come to life, literally. It's just breathtaking. It and is. Every time I go, I think it could never be better than the last time, and every time I go, it's better than the last time. Wow. And I'm just here to tell you, listening today, we'd like you to come with us on our next journey, our next adventure to the Holy Land. It's in January of 2020, so you've still got time to prepare and to plan and to sign up, but sign up soon because the places are selling out fast. How can you find out about it? Well, you can check out our website, CBH Viewpoint, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope Viewpoint.org. You can read about it there, or you could give us a call. Just dial this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week about the Holy Land trip or about anything. We want to hear from you. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Always a live voice. Always glad to hear your voice. I'll give you that contact information at the end of our broadcast, but we want you to know right now, we're always glad to hear from you. We've just been talking, Jamie, about this story, very sobering tale of uh, ancient time where there was a man named Gehazi who was the servant of a prophet of God named Elijah. 
Assyrian and Aramean, as sometimes it's described, uh, has come to Elijah to be healed of leprosy. There was no medicinal remedy. There was no hospital. There was no hope for him. Leprosy was a terrible disease that put you to the sidelines of society and ultimately caused you to suffer. And Naaman had no hope, but Elijah was able to bring him to a point of faith in God and obedience to the place where he was healed. Naaman offered gifts to Elijah for this. Of course, his heart was overflowing with gratitude. Elijah said, we don't need that. We just want you to go and serve God. But his servant, Gehazi, is watching that and going, (laughs) what's up with that? This man's got money. He's got stuff. He wants to give it. We're not taking it from him. That's not right. Exactly. And so you just read the story about how Gehazi decided privately, without talking to Elijah in his own heart, to chase Naaman down and cook up a story so that he could get some of those gifts for himself. Mm -hmm. And Naaman innocently said, oh, I'm glad to help you because you were the servant of the guy that caused me to be well. So no problem. What do you need? And Gehazi's got it figured out. I I need 75 pounds of this and I need so much of that. (laughs) He had a list. (laughs) He had a list. And Naaman willingly gave. It was not a theft. Well, you could say it was a theft under false pretenses. But Naaman was not threatened physically. He, of his own free will, gave the gifts. But it was under deceit. Gehazi told a lie. Why do you think he would do that? Why would Gehazi cook up this whole scheme? What do you I think, think it was it was human nature. You know, when I was younger, I looked at biblical characters different. I, I actually probably, when I was younger, would have looked down on Gehazi, and I probably would have, you know, judged him. But, you know, I've learned over the years that sometimes I think this, this gives us an opportunity to look within ourselves and see, and maybe kind of, Looking, it's like looking in the mirror, maybe correcting some things that, that are out of place in our lives or our hearts. And so looking at Gehazi, I just think that, you know, it's just human nature. I think just as, you know, we've talked about in this series that people are, you know, sometimes they, they tell a half truth. And I mean, I don't think there's one person that can say they've told nothing but the truth all their lives. So I think the same thing with Gehazi. I think it gives us an opportunity to look at ourselves and, and not look so much down on Gehazi, but say, what what in, what in me is, am I, do I have something like that? Should I, you know? Don't you think he faced a temptation where he felt somehow victimized or, you know, he's second string. Elijah oh, yeah. gets all the attention, but mm-hmm. Gehazi's an important part of the ministry, you might say. He worked hard. And he worked hard and, yeah. he, and he paid his dues. Mm-hmm. And he probably was looking at all the wealth of Naaman thinking, it's, it's only fair that I get some of that. Mm-hmm. He offered it. It wasn't right that Elijah spoke for me. That's right. He denied <laughs> me. So you know what? I, I need some of that. And the simplest and straightest, most clean way to do that will be to go tell him this story. Another way is I guess I could chase Naaman down and say, you know, Elijah said he didn't want those gifts, but I'd take some. I mean, that would have been more honest. Or he could have gone to Elijah and said, Elijah, have you thought about how I've got a wife and five kids? I don't know that he had a wife and five kids, but, you know, he might have said, I have a family. I have people that are in need. I, they depend on me. And you kind of you turned away this opportunity that could have been shared with me. I was right here the whole time with you making it happen. So, I mean, there are all kinds of things in his heart. And All of us can get into that victim mode sometimes where we feel like someone else has robbed us of what is rightfully ours, and therefore we have a right to get some. And that is a terrible temptation, and it's a temptation to lie. And none of us should feel entitled to somebody else's stuff, no matter what we think our circumstances. And we can never honestly or fairly 
retrieve it by telling a lie. That is not God's way. Let God provide for you and let God show up in a unique way that's honest. You do not need to lie to get a blessing from God. But Gehazi somehow missed the boat, and so he is willing to lie. One thing about this story impresses me, too. After the lie is disclosed, because Elijah knows what's going on and confronts him after the whole thing has gone down. So once Gehazi comes back, he's got his treasures, he's put them away, he sees Elijah, and Elijah asks him a simple question. The question is a kind of a setup. Where have you been? And what does he do? He lied. He lies. <laughs> I mean, he tells a lie. I haven't been anywhere. Mm-hmm. No, that's another lie. And that's what's so striking to me is you cannot tell one lie and Without just leave it there. another. Yeah. And one lie will always lead to another. Until you're willing to admit that you told the first lie, mm-hmm. you're going to find yourself repeatedly telling a lie over and over again. And why don't we just admit it? Why wouldn't Gehazi just then say, oh, man, <laughs> my number's up, got me. I went and chased down Naaman. Why wouldn't he do that? Well, he was afraid of the consequences. He didn't want to be caught. Maybe he thought that he could still get away with another lie. Well, it'll just be a second lie, but that'll be enough, and then the story will die down. I won't have to worry about it. No, you tell a lie, and the story never dies down. And he will be in a position to keep lying until he's called out, and that's what happens. Elijah calls him out. Never be deceived by the enemy of our souls, the devil himself, that Jesus told us is the father of all lies, never let him persuade you that you can tell one lie and then you're done. It never works that way. A lie will replicate into another lie and you'll have to tell more to maintain the pretense. Do you ever think about how much work it is, Jamie? Have you ever thought of this? How much work it is to maintain a lie? Yes, it takes a very creative soul. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to be you've got to be on it every minute. You have minute to be because, on it. You have to remember the lie. <laughs> that's right. And the context and who you said it to and, yes. and all that. Oh and because gosh. one slip up and the whole row of dominoes yeah. is gone. And that's Gehazi's story. He is an illustration of that for us. There's one more thing in this story that just takes my breath away, and that is again, given a chance to come clean. See, that's what Elijah's actually doing for him. He's told a lie. He has deceived. He's wrongfully received these gifts. And Elijah's giving him a chance to come clean. Where have you been? He could have right then come clean. And who knows how it might have worked out. Elijah might have said, thank you for telling me the truth. I know that was hard for you to say that. But truth is, better to tell the truth now than never. And you know what? Because of what you've done, because of your honesty now, Gehazi, I'm going to go talk to Naaman and make sure he understands what's happened. But he'll let you keep that. I mean, it could have worked out. Mm-hmm. But... Gehazi would not take the chance to be redeemed. He, he allowed himself to go deeper into the hole, the black hole of his falsity. And then what? Sooner or later, there comes a judgment. This is true for all of us. We all think, well, that will never happen to me. There'll always be another escape hatch. There'll always be another chance for me to ask for forgiveness or to make it right or to clean it up. I'll do that tomorrow or the next day or the next day or on my deathbed. But folks... There will come for all of us a day of judgment. There'll be a day of reckoning, as my grandmother used to say, and that came to Gehazi. Oh, yeah. And it reminded me of what happened in the the Garden of Eden when God said, Adam, where art thou? God knew where he was, but it was an opportunity for him. So I think that, you know, it just mirrors here. It's the same. He gave him an opportunity. And God gives us an opportunity 
to to be honest. So our God is gracious, mm-hmm. but He's also true. Yes, and He's honest. Yes. Oh, draw me, Lord. Oh, draw me, Lord. Oh, draw me, Lord. And I'll I think that Gehazi believed that somehow by telling a lie, he would add to his life. He actually saw some blessings, some additions, some making better of his life by telling a lie. And I think the lesson of a story fundamentally is a kind of moral algebra. You can never add to your life with a lie. It will always subtract from your life. And just remember that when you're tempted to lie. It will always subtract from. In the short term, in the moment, you may feel like you had an addition. You got more praise, you got more respect, you got more stature, you got more stuff, you got more opportunity, whatever it is. You may have that in the first moment, but sooner or later, it will subtract from your life, 
and what it subtracts will be greater than anything you gained. You can never add to your life with a lie. It will only subtract from. So Gehazi not only lost his stuff, he lost his health because of his lie. And it affected the generations after him. His family, his family is impacted, was impacted down the line. Oh, such important truth here. But for all of that, it sounds so sobering, and it is and should be. We're here to tell you that our God is a God who wants to make things right. Just like Elijah was giving Gehazi another chance, so is God giving us another chance. Right here, right now. The fact that you're listening to this program, no lie, is the appointment of God. You're not here by chance. God brought you here. And he loves you, and he wants the best for you, and he wants you to be honest. And if you're willing to be honest, you will be humble, because if you're honest about yourself, you can't do anything but be humble. And when you are humble before God, in truth, our God will always reach down to make things right and give you new life. How to get started, what to do, pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today. For the story of Scripture and for this passage in 2 Kings, obscure in a way, not often read or studied, but still relevant and true, powerful, we're thankful for your knowledge of us. And like Elijah knew exactly what Gehazi had done out of mind and out of sight, so do you know exactly what we have done when we think we're out of mind and out of sight? We're thankful, Lord, that every word spoken is heard and that you hear them. But hearing all of our words, knowing all of our deception, knowing everything about us, you have loved us anyway. Thank you for that. And you're calling the best out of us anyway. And today, Lord, we bow before you humbly and honestly to say, we have sinned. We have not always told the truth. We have sometimes deceived. We have reached for things that are not ours. And we have done so dishonestly. We have tried to protect our reputations and our stuff and we have sinned, and we're so sorry. And Lord, we know there's nothing we can do to make it right except receive your gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ the Lord, who has paved the way for us on the cross. Thank you for him. It is in his name we pray and ask that you will cause us to be born again, that you will empower us to resist temptation to lie in the future, and that we might have as a new signature in our lives that whatever else is said about us, people will know we tell the truth. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Next step, what to do? Call us up. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let us hear from you with your comment, with your heart cry, with your question, with your criticism, whatever it is. We truly want to hear from you, honestly. This is the number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're right by the phone. But I know, Jamie, that not everyone just feels comfortable picking up the phone and talking to somebody they don't know yet. If they want to go online, where would they go? They'd go to cbhviewpoint.org. CBH. Those are three letters. CBH. Christians Broadcasting Hope. cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can read about the Holy Land trip there. You can send us an email there. We will reply. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint. Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you check us out online, whether you write me a letter and use the post, or call us up, let us hear from you. We're so glad you came alongside. Thank you, Jamie, for being here as well. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, and there are many great souls behind the screen that you can't see or hear right now, but I promise you they're the best. 
for all of them and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host, the platform of this broadcast. This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.